0: I'd never tried a, an unaged spirit which had so much flavor and it was all these weird flavors that I wasn't used to and I was, I was basically hooked straight away.
1: Welcome to the Lush Life Podcast. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, and I bring you the how-to guide for living life one cocktail at a time. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, The first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by cocktails ever since. Together, we'll learn from bartenders, brand ambassadors, distillers, and others why certain drinks are popular in certain cultures, how to make the perfect old-fashioned, when to shake and when to stir, and so much more. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let the fun begin. Did you get a chance to catch up on all the episodes you missed last year? No. Well, we're on Spotify now, as well as iTunes and Android. So you can listen to one episode on Spotify and then double back to iTunes and Android just for fun. Keep doing this until you've heard them all and then come back for new episodes on any platform you desire. Two weeks of January being dry and cold were enough for me, so now we're heading south to Mexico via London for some very au courant Mezcal with our guest today, would-be philosopher turned distiller Ben Schroeder. After his first taste of Mezcal, he was hooked, enough so that he felt obligated to spread the love to the UK. After we met at the London Mezcal Festival and I took one sip of Pescador, I knew I wanted to hear his story.
0: So I was studying philosophy at Bristol. Um, I did an undergrad at Bristol, and then I read out the city. I'm from London originally, and Bristol has quite a lot of things which London is lacking in terms of community and sort of being able to walk around and recognize people. so I really love the city. I love the course. I'd stuck around for another year and did a master's, um, which is in philosophy of mind. Um, yeah, I did that that was another year and a half on the end and then I went to Mexico.
1: Was this just a pleasure trip?
0: Yeah I went with, it was actually my my friend was studying at university in Havana in Cuba um, and I wanted to go see him. So I went there and then I was thinking where else I could go nearby because I was only going to Cuba for a couple of weeks and so it was a very expensive flight and I went to Mexico and I didn't know anyone who had been to Mexico at that point and I just, I kind of went because I didn't know what was there. In my head Mexico was just like a desert with characters and you know, guys and sombreros and i was like there must be more to it than that let's go check it out so i went with my girlfriend
1: and how did you know where to start
0: uh well, we went to mexico city uh rented a car and then just drove off we went towards the caribbean initially um down to yucatan Tulum, and places like that which is quite cool but it's not really it's not really real mexico it's quite touristy um, and then once we went across into Chiapas, which is amazing, it's an amazing state. If anyone's going to Mexico, i seriously recommend hitting up Chiapas. And then we ended up in Oaxaca, which is where the whole Mezcal story began.
1: Was this a never-ending trip? Could you take as long as you wanted?
0: Uh, we only had three weeks, actually. Oh. It was pretty hectic. We had a lot of driving. It was sort of driving for between five and eight hours a day. And I say we, my girlfriend can't drive. So I was driving for between five and eight hours a day. So. It was high, high paced, but we crammed a lot in.
1: So, just by chance, you ended up in Oaxaca?
0: Pretty much, yeah. It was pretty much by chance. Um, by that stage, I had tried Mezcal along the way a few times. And then in Oaxaca, you know, I got really into it. And we ended up going to a Palenque and seeing how they made it. And I just got a bit obsessed.
1: Really. So, you obviously known about tequila.
0: I'd known about tequila, but actually, <laughs> I had drunk mostly bad tequila. So, I had drunk mostly. Um, you know, mixed us, so so tequila, are half tequila, half vodka, basically. I hadn't had any 100% of tequila. Um tequila. So then bad, went, hangovers. Exactly, <laughs> bad hangovers. Exactly, bad hangovers, <laughs> bit of a dodgy taste. Um, and then it really added to the fact when I first tried mezcal. I mean, when I first tried mezcal, it was an amazing experience because I didn't know what it was. We Did didn't you speak. remember the
1: place? You yeah, you
0: yeah. The place? yeah. I remember the first place I actually tried it was in Mexico City. Um...
1: And how were you convinced to try it?
0: Because I didn't know what it ordered. Neither me or my girlfriend spoke Spanish. This was a in not knowing anything about Mexico. <laughs> we knew they spoke Spanish, we kind of thought they speak English as well. They don't speak English in Mexico, <laughs> like it is just Spanish. Um, so we couldn't really read menus. We couldn't really, you know, ask ask the bartender or anything. So we just had this one phrase, que comienda, which means what would you recommend? And that sort of got us by, because whenever we went to a restaurant or a bar, they would just give us a recommendation. So the first bar we went into, I we said, you know, get a And he whips out this sort of dusty, unmarked bottle and pours this clear liquid into two glasses and gives it to us. You... And I had no idea what it was and I have a sip of it and it's just this amazing sort of explosion that of That was flavors. a huge
1: risk you took. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were really daring.
0: Yeah, it I could really have been that.
1: something this dad made back
0: yeah. in the still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess that's all part of it. Um, but yeah, that was it was it was just I'd never I'd never, you know, tried a an unaged spirit which had so much flavour and it was all these weird flavors that I wasn't used to and I was I was basically poked straight away.
1: So you took one sip and you knew, like, what is this stuff? This is fabulous.
0: Pretty much, yeah. It was just, it it was not what I was expecting at all. I saw this this clear liquid. I kind of knew it was a spirit. But then the flavors, there were so many different flavors there, it tasted nothing like the tequilas that I tried before. Um, I still, to this day, I don't really know what that mezcal was. Um, But yeah, we just had a great night. It was me and my girlfriend, and we we just got more and more of them. We just sat there trying to sort of pick out different notes. And nothing quite got the whole of it. And um yeah, it was just it was really, really exciting.
1: Did you know it was Mezcal at that point?
0: I knew it was Mezcal. He he said Mezcal and we'd read about Mezcal in the guidebook. But um, you know, I I, I didn't know what to expect at all. I guess I expected bad tequila. <laughs> <I got this laughs> instead you got
1: really drink. fabulous c- exactly, tequila or really, something. Really fabulous,
0: exciting Mezcal, yeah.
1: Um, and did you try it all the way? You had that in Mexico City, right? I had that Mexico City. So then throughout,
0: throughout the journey, we were we were having mezcal. And you know that you can, you can get quite good mezcal all over Mexico. But in Oaxaca is where they have the really important bars that have incredible sort of libraries of, of mezcal.
1: Is that um, why you went to Oaxaca?
0: Partly. Partly. We'd heard that the food was great. We heard the mezcal was good. It was kind of on our route. Um... But yeah, I mean, I can't remember quite where we went, but that is what became the main reason to be there.
1: Well, there are a lot of people who go to Oaxaca and drink Mezcal, and then go home to their regular jobs. They don't (laughs) think, (laughs) let's start making our own.
0: Yeah, so I didn't, to be honest, I didn't, when I was there, come up with that idea. Um, What I did do was empty half my suitcase, you know, throw away unimportant clothes and stuff like that, crammed it full of bottles of Mezcal, and brought them back to London. Um, and that was about three years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, so at that time, a lot of people hadn't heard of Mezcal. Mezcal was still, like, quite an unknown thing. I mean, they knew about it in, in the good bars, but my friends hadn't really heard of it. Um, and I had this bag full of all these wacky Mezcals, and I just kept talking about it and sharing it with people, and I really loved this feeling of having this exciting special thing that no one else had and watching people's face when they tried it you know and some people didn't like it but some people you just see like it it totally had that same moment that I had in Mexico City and I love that and that's kind of what what inspired it because I wanted to keep going with that with that feeling of sharing it and you know
1: were you ever able to find um the mezcals that you brought back at any restaurant or bar in London
0: um, I had one bottle which was branded, but most of the stuff is stuff which has never left Mexico before.
1: And that's so, be really exciting.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff that they actually can't even technically call mezcal in Mexico. They have to call it Agriente uh Dogave. Um, because it's not it's not ticking the right boxes, but it is it is basically Mezcal. But it so, can't be exported.
1: So you've given it to all your friends, they think it's absolutely fabulous. But you still don't go back to a normal job. You go and make your own.
0: No, I mean that was that was. I mean, yeah. I just yeah, I just I was. Like I said I was just kind of obsessed. I loved I loved that feeling, and you know, I thought I'd give it a go. Like I I kind of would always been. I had this idea about um, getting into the food and drinks industry, and I loved I loved traveling. I loved Mexico, and. I've really obsessed with mescal, so I was like, give it a go, you know?
1: Have you, did you ever think, while well, I'm leaving philosophy behind, or was that something you just wanted to study and you never planned to have a career? In, I think in when you do philosophy,
0: you expect to leave it behind to a certain mm-hmm. extent. There's very few people who are, you know, becoming philosophers, you know? You, you, you could you could choose the academic life. Um, you could be a lecturer or you could be, you know, a researcher um but I mean my master's was a was an MPhil so it was a research master's so it was me in the library for a year and a half working on one essay so I got a flavor for the academic life and I don't think it's for me (laughs) and then one sip of mezcal later exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly if it's sitting in the library year round or you know drinking mezcal I think that's quite an easy decision to make
1: so did you go back to Mexico?
0: So I went back to Mexico. It took me a year to to sort of get the courage to go back because there are obviously so many good reasons to not do this. <laughs> um, so it was sort of like a a critical mass of time spent on it until I was like, I've just got to, I've just got to go back. Um, a lot of time playing around with you know whether I could make it work and how I was going to make it work. I didn't speak Spanish. I didn't know any producers you know, I didn't know anything about the drinks industry or importing or the finance side, like literally nothing. So there were so many good reasons not to do it. Um, but eventually, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was, it was an evening with, with Will, who's my, who my friend who's involved in the, in the brand as well. Um, and yeah, we just dragged me to Mezcal and we were like, let's do that and I just booked some flights. <laughs> um, so then I went back that summer. Um,
1: Did you know where you were going to go?
0: I knew I was going to go to Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. They make mezcal in seven different states in Mexico, I think. But I think it is about ninety percent of mezcal production is in Oaxaca. I knew that I didn't have that much time, so I thought focus on Oaxaca. It's it's still a huge place, and that way I can have more chance of meeting more people. Um, beyond that, there wasn't really a plan.
1: Now, did you want to find one that hadn't been? Um, Sold in the UK and bring that over or did you want to create your own and put your own stamp on it when you first went over
0: the idea was always to create my own Um, I I liked that whole part of it as well as finding the mezcal I I liked the idea of developing a brand and helping working on the branding and you know creating something which was to an extent my own um, and not just being a middleman for someone else's product.
1: And so, tell us how that happened.
0: So we went to Oaxaca, not really knowing how it was going to work. I had, I took a friend, a different friend with me, who um, who is a Spanish speaker. It's actually the friend who who was working at um, the university in Havana. So he was my he was my translator, and we just hired a car and we would just go off to little little towns, little villages, and we'd, we'd, you know, find people who make mezcal, and we'd, uh, we'd taste the mezcal, and we'd sort of ask if they would be interested in working with the brand, and finding people was easier than I thought, because it is, like, everyone in Oaxaca knows someone who makes mezcal. Everyone's so it's got, like a
1: still in every backyard, it, kind It's of.
0: kind of, yeah. Every village has, has one or two stills in it. Um, everyone's got an uncle, or a cousin, or, you know, a friend of a friend who makes mezcal, so... So it was okay. We found we found people. Um, we mostly were in the um, Valle Central, which is around Oaxaca City, um, Matatlán, which is the main mezcal producing region. We were mostly in this area because this is where our sort of leads were taking us. Um, and we found a lot of good mezcal. Um, there was nothing which was quite ticking the boxes. There were a couple that were really special, but. We couldn't work with them because they were too remote or they didn't have any of the right licenses with the with the people. Um, so it
1: was a taste you were going for. It was a taste. You thought, again, I'm putting words in your mouth, but that when I find that taste, that's the one I want to yeah. make.
0: Yeah. I played around with, I you know, initially we were thinking about we need to have a secure good volume and we need to make sure that these people, um, it's going to work logistically and all this. But I realised at some point that this was such a crazy idea and it was going to be so difficult that if I didn't really love the product, I wouldn't be able to put up with all the difficulties and the setbacks and stuff like that. Um, and also, there was always a backing idea that I'd get a batch and even if it didn't go well, I would have a lifetime supply mask out. you know? So <laughs> it was really important that the liquid was was, was on point. Um, and it just, it just didn't quite come out of that region um, and the, the tip-off eventually happened when we went we went way further north out of that region um, to this little town I can't remember what it was called but it was in this really deep gorge in the mountains um, in northern Oaxaca and we arrived at this place at night and there were some um, cabanos where we could stay and then we saw a fire that was nearby um, so we went over there, um, and uh, yeah, there were, there, were, there were a couple of guys sitting around the fire, um, so we asked if we could join them. We had some mezcal, so we cracked that out, and then you know everyone's getting on well, and then we told them about what we were doing, our sort of mission, why we were there, um, and where we'd been. And this old man just, just turned around and he said, you guys are getting it wrong. And we were like, what, what, what are we doing wrong? He's like, you're in the wrong place. If you want the best mezcal, you've got to go south It's to this town called San Isidro Guiche um, and that is that's the best mezcal and we were like oh my god we've got to do that straight away you know <laughs> Um
1: is he kind of a figure that came out of the shadows and then went back into the shadows.
0: <laughs> a little shadows? bit a little bit. <laughs> you never saw him again, right? Yeah, no, it was it was a pretty, a pretty <laughs> magical moment. You're
1: a fairy godfather exactly, telling you where exactly. to go. I'm
0: Mexican fairy uh-huh. Um So godmother.
1: So next day you were there? You had so yeah, next there.
0: day we we, we we took the long road the long road south um and went up in this town and found this this producer, um, a guy called Atanohanez. Are you sure um, he wasn't his brother or something?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it could be, it
0: could be. I mean, I don't care, basically. <laughs> I don't care how it happened, because the results were amazing. Oh. The mezcal was incredible. It was exactly what we wanted. It was really, really complex and deep flavours, but also a little bit lighter, a little bit fresher. Um, something which... You could drink all night. It sort of... It it, it, appealed, it appealed to the price point of mezcal. Mezcal is expensive and it's fitted that. And it was just... It was it was the full package, basically.
1: So I don't really understand how it works. Um, so he's making it in his backyard?
0: So... Or does
1: he have a business already?
0: So he, he's basically a farmer. Okay. Um, who... One of the things that he does, he makes mezcal. He also grows corn and he grows beans. And, you know, him and his family sell their, their food, and they also make mezcal, and they sell their mezcal. So he would be making a couple of batches a year. Um, how about how many him,
1: bottles is that?
0: Um, a batch is uh, 400 litres, sometimes smaller. 400 litres is the maximum he could do. He would oh. do smaller ones as well, because sometimes he would use wild agave. Um, and that would be for... The family and four people in the village who would come and just sort of fill up bottles, um, fill up plastic bottles from these big sort of tanks.
1: So you're these guys who come into town, drink his mezcal, and say, "We like this so much, we want to make it into a product that we can sell worldwide."
0: Yeah, so he was he was he was pretty freaked out initially. <laughs>
1: then my um, guy, I got it right. That's yeah, that's it that's, right? it, that's it, that's uh-huh.
0: it. Um, and he was quite taken aback, you know, because you know these like two massive. Gringo is just coming down <laughs> yeah. and just being like we wanna we wanna turn it into a brand. Um so we we sort of told him about it, we let let the idea sit and we we're like we'll come back, you know, tomorrow and sort of talk about it more. Um and he was up for it, you know. There's a lot Mescal has, has sort of taken off in the international category. He knew other people who had worked with brands and it had gone well and they'd sort of been able to sort of, you know, change change their living situation, so he went for
1: it. That's amazing. Yeah. And so you tasted this stuff and you said, this is it. Then what happens? You come back to London.
0: So then, yeah. So with you,
1: 400 bottles? I mean, how? So
0: I came, I came back with just two liters the first time, which was not enough. Because I didn't end up going back for. Um, only
1: two liters?
0: Yeah, only two liters. Um, I didn't end up going back for eight months, something like that. So then I was back in London for eight months. Um, I thought this was going to be a lot quicker. So when I left, I said, make me a batch we're going to get this shipped in three months time and he was like okay let's do it um came back did the branding um everything was sort of going fine and then i just came you know bumped into the uh the mexican bureaucracy the the, all the sort of licenses you need all the different bodies you have to go so you went without that
1: you, yeah, I there was that, no business you know. strategy it was no. just let's go try it I didn't it.
0: know about this stuff All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, thought okay I'll see you in six months sure, yeah, sure.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I thought everything was going to be really easy when I first came up with this idea I was like simple you know just go to Mexico find some Mezcal send it back It will be you know yeah, and sending will it will by be Christmas exactly. it. Yeah. it'll be easy and it's actually so complicated <laughs> um, but you so struggled really, on I did, I did. Everything, everything, the, I constantly came up against things that I thought I wouldn't be able to get around. Um, most of these agencies require you to have a Mexican bank account, a Mexican address, you know, all of these things, I don't have any of these. Um, so I kept finding ways around it. But yeah, everything took a long time.
1: And there was never a time when you wanted to not do it?
0: There were lots of times when I wanted to not do it, <laughs> but I was, I was committed by then, I'd already put in, you know, A year's worth of time or whatever, and I was I wasn't gonna gonna drop out basically. Mm -hmm.
1: So you said a year's worth. Was it a year from the idea to Um,
0: being able to sell here? So the first batch arrived last week, and I guess it's been more like two years. So I
1: met you about what six months ago. Yes. So a batch hadn't arrived then?
0: No, so that was... I had gone back out to Mexico and I'd helped with the with the labelling and bottling because part of the those mezcals, you have to fill your bottles and label them at the distillery. And, um, you know, the, the guys who made mezcal are, are, are farmers. You know, they don't have any bottling equipment. Um, so they didn't really know how that was going to work. So I went back out to help them out with that. Um... And yeah, it's, it was literally a process of filling these bottles with jugs. We just fill the jug with 500 mils of mezcal and then pour it in the bottle. And you know, it's the first batch is 800 bottles, which by industry standards is nothing at all. But when you fill 800 bottles with jug and then put on three labels by hand on 800 bottles, it's a lot of bottles. <laughs>
1: and the UK government, fine, come and sell?
0: Um, they were a lot easier uh-huh. still things that were difficult um, import licenses and stuff like that were difficult but I'd, I'd known about that from earlier so I'd started doing that earlier um, so that was a row um,
1: and where do you hope to see Tansador so or where is it already
0: so it's, it's already in terms of uh Online stores, you can get it at Master of Malt and Whiskey Exchange. Um, it's going to be going into Harvey Nix. Um, Ivan Dixon, who's a spirit boy there. I met him really early on because he's a big Mezcal fan. So he sort of helped us along the way with, with advice about about what he how he thought he would do it. Um, and then in terms of bars, the idea is to try and sort of approach the you know the top end the top end bar of is it's pretty niche it's pretty expensive the, the better bars are the sort of places where they're pushing it um so yeah i'm really hoping to see it in some of some obviously harvey
1: bars. nicks that's fantastic and yeah it's great it means that what you tasted and thought of as delicious yeah as someone else has as well yeah
0: mm-hmm. so that was really you know, so nice. so when i when i met you at the london Mescal week tasting event That was great because that was the first time that other people really had tried it beyond my immediate group of friends and the feedback was was great i was hearing all the right things people were picking out the right things about it being you know complex but a bit more approachable than some other mezcals um and that was yeah that was a big moment because until that point it could have just been that everyone's everyone's palette's different you know and Could have hated
1: it. So hopefully by next Christmas, or next year, it'll be everywhere. It'll be everywhere.
0: (laughs) You know, we had to move for Pensador Mezcal. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not, but uh, you're making
1: me thirsty now. So let's go pop open a bottle and try it. Sure, After a few sips, Ben explained why he called his Mezcal Pensador. I thought you all should hear it from him. So why the name Pensador?
0: So Pensador means thinker. In Spanish. Um, and the name first came about because we wanted to push against the whole tequila slammer culture, which we have in the UK, and um, really push Mezcal as a sipping spirit. So the idea was that you're going to drink it slowly and you're going to think about the complexity of the flavor and how it was made and, you know, think about what you're drinking, basically. So we had this thinker idea. By that point we were playing around with a few different names. Um, that was just one of them. And then the distillery that we found in San Sud, um, which had by far the best mezcal, and we're definitely gonna work with them. Um, we'd actually already agreed to work with them and it was when we were looking up where it was to go back the next day that we saw it was on a road called the Calle Pensamientos, which means thoughts road. So we just like that's it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be thinker.
1: And considering you're a philosopher.
0: There we go. So that you know, comes in a little bit that as well. That comes and Will, who's involved, is a writer. He's, he's actually got a, a novel coming out next year. So there were, there were a lot of things at play. There were a lot of, a lot of things that came together for the pencil to work.
1: The Thinking Person's Mezcal.
0: Exactly.
1: Romantic, isn't it? The Thinking Person's Mezcal. Thanks so much to Ben for sharing his Mezcal and his story. I think that story was the only reason I let Ben substitute mezcal for bourbon in our cocktail of the week. Everyone knows I love bourbon, and to substitute bourbon with another spirit in a tried and true cocktail like the left hand was an anathema to me until I tried the mezcal left hand with pensador, of course. Now you'll find out why I was converted. So combine all of the following in a mixing glass with ice 50 ml of pensador mezcal. 25 ml of vermouth, and 25 ml of Campari, and then add two dashes of chocolate bitters. Stir it all to chill, and then strain into a martini glass. The cocktail bitters plus the mezcal makes a nice change even if you are addicted to your bourbon. You'll find this recipe and all the cocktails of the week on alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Does anyone really know the definition of the word courtesan? Well, come back next time, and you'll find out how this one word led our guest Hamant Patel Villa to a world of food and drink. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast, the sister of a Lush Life Manual. For more information and links to everything you heard, plus a bit more, Please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde all things in moderation, including moderation, and always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra, and I'm your hostess, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar.